as we kick off today's show. Lawson, what have we got for our quiz? Oh, so our quiz today, it's it's pretty good, but I feel like Lyle's gonna get it in the first like in the first clue. So just just get in there, just as quick as you can, try and text in as soon as I say it. Uh, remember our number is 0491-064-669 if you want to text in or 1-800-324-843 if you want to give us a call. But again, this is a Who Am I quiz. And our first clue is, I was told you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. Ooh. I was told you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. I'm pretty sure I know who this one is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on from there, moving on from there. What have we got in positively different news this morning? Well, um, just before I get into the news, I was just—I was really blessed by the testimony that we, that we yeah. just heard. Like uh, Jasmine's testimony. Jasmine's testimony. Like I, she's I, a semi-regular contributor to the show. So. Mm, amazing. I just—I just love hearing about like the power of prayer. Like you know, when you when you're just in those situations, because yeah, I'm in it a lot. When you're ministering to someone and you send up a quick prayer, and it's like, oh God, just give me an opportunity to be able to share with this person, and then he just like he just opens the door in some way. Um, for me, like uh, being a guy, sometimes it's been talking about cars, and that's led to led to a spiritual conversation. Sometimes cars is a great yeah, great way cars. to lead into spiritual conversations. It's just like that's just a perfect opportunity, dude. Right it's there. amazing, but yeah, it's um it's just great to hear people. Because it's ultimately working in spirit, working in um, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, yeah. And it's 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 awesome. We mm-hmm. just need that leading and guidance by God because that's the only way we can get anything done. Um, but in our news today, we actually have some really cool technology news, uh, which is just is bringing to mind, you know, uh, Daniel twelve and verse four, like uh, you know, technology shall in- knowledge shall increase, and man shall run to and fro, and this. Yeah, this no, I, as, as I keep saying, knowledge has now increased to the point that men no longer need to run to and fro. <laughs> yeah, we're just <laughs> we're just decked out, man. Well, check out this first story. Um, artificial intelligence has just proven itself to be a lifesaver for vegetative hospital patients. Okay. Yeah. So that's this, interesting. This is crazy. A team of China's best neurologists recently tested their assessments of coma patients in contrast to an AI system. After reviewing the various conditions of seven patients in Beijing, the doctors rated the patients on a coma recovery scale. The patients were given very low school scores, meaning that it was unlikely they would ever wake up and their families were legally allowed to take them off life support. Mm-hmm. So the doctors come through, they're like, okay, these guys, are, they're, they're, they're too far gone. They're it's it's hectic. The system, which was developed over the course of five years by the Chinese Academy of Science and the PLA General Hospital, disagreed with the scientists and gave the patients close to, a, close to full scores with the prediction that they would wake up, they would all wake up within 12 months of the scan. Okay, this is where it gets crazy. As it turns out, the AI was correct. All seven patients woke up from their vegetative states within the year. No Ooh. way. <laughs> no. How does it? How does the AI actually even like? What do you? Do, what, what kind of information do you feed into it that it creates an algorithm that comes up with that conclusion? Man, I don't know, but this is how. This is how they. I mean, do they wire into the into the person's brain? Or yeah, I, I like this. Is, well, obviously, it just does you know scans like CAT scans and stuff. But what they're saying is it it actually has an eighty eight percent success rate of diagnosis. Um, and it archives its efficiency based on the ability to see invisible details 
in hundreds of human brain, uh, human brain images. Um, like it's got this ability to compile other brain images. Mm -hmm. So it's able to see like, oh, you know, in in this image that I took on this particular day, there was this thing here and that led to this patient. Okay, so it's it's picking up all the subtleties that that humans can't pick up. necessarily see. Or even like remember. You think about it like, you know, if if a brain surgeon is doing or a neurologist or whatever it is is doing like, you know, scans and scans and scans every single day. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to remember every single diagnosis they gave and every but single. But an AI result. will. Yeah, but an AI will, right? Because yeah. it's a computer that has perfect, perfect memory, memory uh-huh. and it can compile uh-huh. all these things. And it's, man, it's just insane that it's like it's beating our best scientists. This AI at diagnosing, like, because it's one thing to look at computers, right? And like, you know, computers can do pretty amazing things. Yeah. But it, usually it's in the realm of digital that mm-hmm. they can do amazing things. You know, when, when it comes to calculating numbers and all these things, it's, it's in the realm of, of abstract things. Whereas it's looking at real life, you know, vegetative hospital patients and making a diagnosis that's coming true. Like this is no longer just in the digital realm, but it's like transcending that into like the real world it's doing real world things and we're just man we're just like pressing forward to like the end of time here because you can see this is this is crazy oh it's man. some freaky stuff out man. there as far as ai and the chinese my goodness the chinese are huge on ai oh dude they're just killing yeah. it man it's it's amazing um but yeah they're just they're just saying like they're because you got to think, you know, in, in computing, like things are getting updated and, and improved and changed. Like, you well, know. It's remo- what it does is it removes the human factor, mm. which has some advantages and some disadvantages. It, you know, by removing the human factor from um, flying airplanes, for instance, it makes yeah. aircraft travel so much safer. Mm. The same theory goes with um, self driven cars. The idea is you take out the human factor and it will be so much safer. Now, they've already proven that with airplanes because. Uh, airplanes have been flown by computers now for, what, 30 years or more? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the humans are there for, uh, yeah, to, to watch over things and make sure it all you know, takes place in the right and proper way. But, um, you know, the more they take the human factor out, the less mistakes that are made because as humans, we make mistakes. How, many yeah. of, how much of your memory do you think is accurate? Like, uh, say, for instance, yesterday. If you were thinking about yesterday and you went through all your memories of yesterday, give me a percentage that would be accurate memories. I reckon I'd say like 80%. I'm pretty young. so. But then, <laughs> then again, there is like the element of self-deception as well. Like That's right. Yeah, humans are just – we suck, man. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're falling off. <laughs> okay, so here's what's interesting. 30% of your memories are actually false memories. Oh, okay. 30%. Have a think about that next time you get in a fight with somebody over a conversation that happened <laughs> because it's most likely that both of you are, are actually wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually learned. I've, I'm very much a, a passive, um, very much a passive uh, <laughs> person when it comes to arguments because I know how wrong I always said. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. um, our next news story, again, this is this is awesome technology news. And it, it actually is about uh, 
renewable energy. Oh, cool. Which is something for me, like, I'm, like, super into cars and motorbikes and all this stuff, but I'm, like, opening up to renewable energy with open arms, man. Well, hey, the thing I, the thing I love about um, renewable energy in cars is the massive amount of torque that you can create <laughs> yeah. with an electric motor. It's just, like, it will just sit you back in your seat. You know, that has to be the the, the, the coolest thing ever. Yeah, no, not into the Prius. Not, not going to go there, yeah. but, you know, you look at some of these vehicles that have electrical power yeah my just just unlimited talk dude it's it's crazy hey and this this story comes out of um america and the hoover dam uh which was you know one of the the biggest engineering marvels in the in the 20th century in america um they've actually found a way to adapt it and turn it into a renewable energy source Okay. This is crazy. So in California, like we already know. It's already your renewable energy. It's running off water. What is the renewable energy? Yeah, but they're like, they're taking it like steps further. Okay. Um, Because, you know, in in California, um, they already like, they're really big on solar energy. California in general is already massive on renewable energy. And um, they're finding that, you know, they they have so many solar pedals and they take in so much um, energy from the sun that... Um, there's no like efficient way to store all the energy mm-hmm. that comes in. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of has to bleed out yep. or it'll like overload the system. Um, so that means that when there's, you know, a, a lack of sun or it's nighttime or whatever, yep. then they have to result to fossil fuels. But they've actually um, found a way in the Hoover Dam. They've made this proposal to build this wind and solar turbine pump um, station like 20, 20 miles south of the dam um, so that the so it can pump like water from downstream back up to Lake Mead and all the water stored will be released for power on demand, effectively turning the dam into a battery for solar and wind power. Yeah, pumped hydro. That's what they're doing down in, uh, in, in Snowy too. Dude, it's, it's like, the best idea ever. I think, and I think you know, this is a great idea that you could do in like a, um, the average home. Mm. The average home could have two tanks full of water that uh, it pumps up during the day and drains out during the night. And produces electricity all night. It's a great idea. Anyway, we need to uh, move on uh, with our show. Um, This is Grego Pillé with Brighter Days.
on Jesus Look for in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace To Jesus I surrender To Him I freely Guys, you were listening to Anthem Lights, the Invitation Medley here on Faith FM. And Mon, a yes. clue for our quiz. Okay, clue for our quiz. Who am I? I said this famous phrase, what is truth? That is a good question we all need to ask ourselves. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. I'm trying not to say anything right now. <laughs> good. It's like, how good. do I? Because you'll probably such give obvious, it away. This is such an obvious clue and it's like, how do Anyway. <coughs> who, said, who said what is truth? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Of course, you can text 0491-064-669. You can even just message us through our social medias like Facebook, which we're Faith FM Australia, or tweet at us or DM us on our Instagram, which is Faith FM Live, lowercase one word. Any which way you can get it to us. Absolutely. Just don't email us because we don't know where that goes. And of course, if you're listening to the delayed broadcast, mm. then the way to get in contact with us or the way to listen to the live show and be a part of the quiz, of course, is to jump on and use the uh, TuneIn app on your mobile device mm-hmm. where you'll get perfect signal anywhere in the world pretty much. Um, or you can uh, simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play. And the way to know that you're on the delayed broadcast is to just look at your calendar. And today is not Wednesday, the 5th of September. Then you're on the delayed broadcast. Absolutely. Actually, you know what? I was thinking about this this morning, actually, Lyle, about this delayed broadcasting. So we keep telling our delayed listeners 
that the way to do it is to jump across the TuneIn app or to the website. But what if they literally do not have those options? What if they're in their, I don't know, car, tractor, whatever, and they have a Nokia, like one of those awesome old brick phones that doesn't have, you know, they can't the battery, download a the website. Lasts for a whole week. Yeah, they can't, you know, <laughs> they can't download an app and they can't go to faithfm.com.au. Like how do you, what, what are their options? Like what do we tell them? And should they call up and pester their church or something or whoever's got like an antenna? Should call, up a, call up and pester Faith FM. Okay, okay. Yeah. And tell, tell, tell Faith FM they want the uh, the live show in their area. Ah, okay. Yeah, there you go. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen. Who, 1-800-324-843 is our number. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen who are aware that they're on delayed broadcast but don't have the option to jump across to the live show unless we bring it to them. So in that case, please call us and yell at us. We love that stuff. Yep. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Pass it on to our bosses and get uh-huh. some motivation to get some things changed would be fantastic. Yes. We need to start a petition. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live across Australia. <laughs> we might get fired. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so what's happening around the world today? I was well? going to talk about snakes, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so this is an interesting. Um, oh, no. <coughs> this is an interesting. Uh, let me just. Is it though? Is I'll it really that a, interesting? I'll find you. I'll find you a picture snakes. right here, Mon. Oh, yuck! Is, is, is that a, is that a decent size? That is a. That's a fat snake. That's he's not just long, but he's real chunky. Oh yeah, he used oh, to yeah. go on a diet. Lay there's, off the there's mice. Three people. There's three people trying to hold him up and and failing to do so. But anyway, um, in 2003, in the United States, in Florida. They noticed that populations of raccoons, bobcats, deer, and opossums, they call them possums there, but it's spelt opossums, mm-hmm, yep. not the furry, cuddly creature we have in Australia, yeah, no. <coughs> were plummeting, uh-huh. and rabbits completely disappeared, something that, once again, we would not complain about in yeah, Australia. Yeah, no, super not. And so they were like, what on earth is going on here? And so they released a... Um, a whole population of rabbits. Mm-hmm. Once again, something you would not do in Australia. Come and take ours, Florida. Come get them. Run <laughs> them all plenty, up. Plenty to go around. Um, but they released a whole population of uh, rabbits to repopulate the area, fitted each one of them with a tracking device to find out what was going on. And found them inside belly of snakes? 80% of them disappeared <gasps> into Burmese pythons. Oh, snaps. And Burmese pythons, of course, were an exotic pet mm-hmm. that had been uh, released mm-hmm. into the wild and uh, suddenly went completely out of control. Yeah, and so now they estimate that the population in the Everglades is in the tens of thousands, and the native population, the, the population of native animals, will never recover. Oh no, that's so sad. Yeah. Yep. But isn't there like some sort of task force they can release to like capture and knock off all these snakes? Well, you know, we've we've um, we've looked at all of these kinds of uh, different processes in the past, and of course, here in Australia, we released rabbits mm-hmm. a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, which resulted in rabbits just exploding and Ruining denuding the landscape, and mm-hmm. we lost half of our topsoil. Uh, as a result of that, all blew away to New Zealand, which is why um, New Zealand has such fertile <laughs> green countryside. <laughs> Carry on, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so then we re- then we introduced um, mongooses to kill off the um, rabbits, and of course, thankfully, the mongooses didn't establish a viable population because the areas in which they were released were arid areas and they couldn't survive there. Mm-hmm. But if they had been released in more you know, fertile areas, we would have the same problem that they have in New Zealand where, of course, the mongooses have just you know, 
wiped out just about every living uh, creature, ground ground dwelling creature that there is. Yeah. <coughs> um, so that failed, but we introduced foxes to fix the problem, oh. and uh, we, you can all see how that went. It's so got, go for much slower moving targets if they can. Yeah, and, and so there's a uh, – yeah, they, they just went after the native animals because the native animals are like, oh, that's a fox. I wonder what that is. I've never seen that before. Yeah. The next minute they are dinner. Um, and so – Humans it, are so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humans so we're going to be so very, very stupid. careful. Okay, and in this, the problem here in Australia is that Australia is also a perfect environment for the Burmese python. Mm-hmm. Scientists know that they are here already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not yet identified anywhere where there is a uh, a viable population, mm-hmm. uh, but they estimate that it's just a matter of time because pet owners are releasing their pets into the wild. Come on, guys. The last thing Australia needs is more blooming snakes. <laughs> we do have enough snakes, don't we? We've got plenty. <laughs> Why are they releasing them? Are they like thinking, like, oh, it's time for you to rejoin the wild? Or are they just like, I can't handle this anymore. You're done. Like wh- yeah. Th- okay. So this this is a snake that is particularly popular because it does grow big, and mm-hmm. so people like to own it for its wow factor. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's a snake that never stops growing, uh. and it will grow to a size bigger than our saltwater crocodiles. What? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big snake. Uh, longer, longer uh-huh, than uh-huh. Uh, obviously not heavier, but um, <clears throat> and they have found you know very very large Burmese pythons in the wild in Australia. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is for one to be released that is pregnant. Oh, and we're in trouble. So, uh, pet owners, if you are, you know, and the thing is, if you're a pet owner, Mm -hmm. the expectation is that you are an animal lover. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing that you can do for animals is to release that pet into the wild. Yeah, yeah. So what? That's that's the cruelest, most horrible thing that can that you can ever do to an animal. You know, to to animals in general is to release. Yeah, exactly. So if they have a snake that they don't want anymore, what they what should they do with it? And they just have it put down if they can't find a owner for it. They just mm-hmm. need to have it put down. It's as simple as that. Take it to the RSP If they, are, if they are a true, yeah, whatever, you know, take it to the vet. Yeah. Um, if they are a true animal lover, mm-hmm. that's what they'll do. Mm-hmm. If they're an animal hater, they will release it into the wild. Mm-hmm. If you are, re- if you if you have done or are considering releasing animals into the wild, you are doing our planet a tremendous amount of destruction. And the Bible says that we were created as stewards of our planet, mm-hmm. managers of our planet. We are responsible for what goes on here on this planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and so God has placed this responsibility on you to look after the creatures that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to begin with, don't take on something that you can't handle. If you're not prepared to house a snake that will grow to, you know, more than twenty feet long, don't get one in the first place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You if know, you- that's going to take a very, very big tank. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking at, you know, of course, the Burmese python is not the only threat that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, there are quite a few. Um, Different species that we need to be aware of. The Indian ring-necked parrot is um, has been highlighted as one that uh, um, has already, in places, established a viable breeding population, and they've been able to shoot them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just wreak absolute havoc on crops, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and so forth. But they looked at you know. What are the what are the problem animals? The problem animals are animals to begin with that are cheap, mm-hmm. um, that come to Australia in high quantities. Yeah, that grow fast, and the grow fast ones. The problem with those is that they quickly outgrow the expectations of their owners. Yeah, yeah. 
that survive well um, and that breed prolifically. Okay. So, you know, your rabbit is a, uh, is a perfect example of, you know, mm-hmm. a, a creature that breeds pr- prolifically, as is your uh, Burmese, py- Burmese python. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've, you know, they've, they've identified, you know, several other highly venomous snakes, like mm-hmm. the African pit viper and so forth, that are very popular in Australia and, uh, and pose a threat. Let's not Ugh. have any more of these things here. Let's take care of our planet. Yeah, God we need has, to be God responsible God has placed it in sure. our care and we need to look after it. Well, that's uh, that's not really that great news, but definitely something that we need to be aware of. And if it was up to me, I'd knock off every snake on the planet. But <laughs> <laughs> Which would not be good management no. either, Mon. But <laughs> no. This is Carly Fletcher with Do You Really Know Me? Do you really know me? 
to show you who I am. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Plan. Love 
You were listening to Alison Brooke, if not for his love, here on Faith FM. And Mon, before we get into our interview, got another clue for our quiz there? Yes, what creature am I? Jesus told Peter that he would find money to pay their taxes in one of these. Ah, that's an easy clue. Mm-hmm. Bit of a weird story, but give us a call <laughs> if you know the answer, 1-800-324-843. Okay, so I've got Dr. Ross Grant on the phone today, and this is in response to an article that was in the Record magazine, I think it was last year, uh, about uh, caffeine, mm-hmm. and I shared this article on social media, and it suddenly developed a whole life of its own in the last few weeks, um, and discussion all over the place, and so I figured, hey, you know what? I'm going to get bring the uh, thing on air. I'm going to get the guy behind it on air. So, Ross, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Great to be with you. So just a quick introduction. Uh, Dr. Ross Grant is a biochemical pharmacologist in the School of Medical Sciences, University of New South Wales, clinical associate professor at the Sydney Adventist Hospital Clinical School, uh, University of Sydney, and head of the Australasian Research Institute. So, uh, Whoa. You already lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> We're really glad that you're able to join us, Ross, because I'm happy to let your expertise um, take over on this one. So this morning, our subject is caffeine in particular. Uh, we're going to be talking, obviously, in the context of you know coffee and tea and so forth. Uh, but you've identified stress, red meat, and caffeine as key factors in the rise of oxidative stress. So to begin with, what is oxidative stress? Yeah, great question. Oxidative stress, when we think about the way the body actually operates, and it's very difficult to do this in a short period of time, and and particularly if I don't have visuals, but if people just remember that what we are is essentially an incredibly intricate and complex binding of chemicals all together. And those chemicals all like to share electrons with each other. That's how water shares it with the hydrogen. Everybody knows H2O, Mm -hmm. and that's oxygen shares its electrons with hydrogen and two hydrogens. Now, they like to share between each of the molecules. They like to share them, the electrons in pairs. If one molecule doesn't have a paired electron, it can become what's called a free radical. And what that means is that that molecule will go and rip things off, you know, rip electrons off other molecules to try and get its electro, try and get the electron that it doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Now, when it starts ripping things off, it can do damage to things like, uh, you know, the normal membrane of a cell. It can do damage to the DNA, which is the instructions in the cell. So those free radicals, they are often oxygen, mm-hmm. and it's a process we call oxidation. That's where it's called oxidative stress. So if you think of oxidative stress as just free radical damage, and obviously we don't have time to go through all the details of why they're linked, but it's strongly linked to what we call aging, Mm -hmm. the process of aging, and degenerative diseases. So those degenerative diseases might be happening in terms of the development of cardiovascular disease, might be happening in relation to the development of something like an Alzheimer's, and there is a strong link also to uh, to cancers because of ultimately the dysregulated genome and the damage to the DNA. So you don't want oxidative stress or that free radical damage in the body. If you have it, you tend to age faster and you increase your risk of those diseases that I've mentioned, those degenerative diseases, diseases associated with aging. So you really don't want those things. Okay, there's more li- oxidative to, stress, to, more to, aging. Uh, to live longer and look younger, uh, basically. Live longer Live healthier, live longer in a healthier state, uh, and look younger. Yes, you want much less oxidative stress or free radical damage. So basically, caffeine makes you age quicker and look older. Yeah. In a nutshell, well, this is, that's incredible. Yeah, look. In a nutshell, from from the from the study that we did, and uh, we didn't have any expectations over this. This was um, 
something that was being done as part of uh, my research team. I had a PhD student working on this one uh, with no background in, uh, in fact, not a um, not any background in Christianity at all. Mm-hmm. So there was no agenda for this particular study. It's we good to hear that because that was one of the questions that actually came in was you know, mm. the philosophy behind it. But yeah, keep, keep going. Yeah, no, absolutely no agenda. So we're, we're essentially looking at a whole raft of different things. And if you have a look at that study and you looked at the people that we actually characterized, what we were trying to do was try and see what is it about particular lifestyle habits and then ultimately how they connect with the body to shift the biochemistry either towards health or mm-hmm. towards disease. And it wouldn't have mattered what it was. And so we, you know, essentially you, you put all of this, you know, massive amount of data together and then you start looking for associations using some fairly high-tech techniques and ultimately when this goes through even to be published, you'll get, uh, you know, at least three people out, and, uh, experts in the field who are sourced internationally uh, by the journal and they'll review it and they'll see whether or not they really believe the methods that you've used and all that sort of stuff. So it gets a lot of rigorous checking. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and in the end, that, that was what came out and it came out surprisingly strongly. And the other really interesting thing is it wasn't just an either or. There was what we call a dose response, which makes you feel even more confident that what you're seeing is an actual effect. Okay, so with a dose response, let me ask this question. How much does it take to find observable results from the impact of caffeine? So, for instance, um, you know, when I was a cabinet maker, my foreman used to uh, you know, drink about three litres of Coke per day, Whoa. Um, yeah. which I would think is probably a fairly heavy dose of caffeine. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 uh, at what point does it become measurable? Okay, if you have a look at that article, and I wouldn't expect anybody to go through it and digest it all, but in the table two that we've got there, you can actually see that what we saw with caffeine was we looked at it up to one, uh, uh, essentially one, the equivalent of, of having one coffee a day, if you like. Okay. And up to one coffee a day, we didn't see much difference. Mm-hmm. But certainly from two coffees and then again over three coffees, we would see this significant decline at two, significant decline by the time you got over three. And uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, when people said to me, well, how much could I take a day? Well, I said, look... From what we've seen, probably one a day is not something that uh, we could observe. Sure. Um, now, I don't, I don't drink coffee, but, uh, you know, that, that's yep. what our data shows. Yep, yep. Okay, so um, we're looking at how this will, you know, obviously increase the, um, the aging process and the, and, and, the, and the possibility of disease and so forth. What about the, uh, the social benefits of the caffeine, coffee, culture? Does that counteract what the coffee is doing in our body, the caffeine is doing to our body? Yeah, look, there's no question, and that's that's the big reason why people do it, because there is a benefit to people in the way they feel. So once they take coffee, they get this nice, uh, uh, they get a little kick. It gives them, increases uh, what they call the reward pathway, so it gives them a little bit of a dopamine kick, serotonin possibly in there as well. And uh, people feel like they, they want to engage with people more, so they sit around with a coffee and they feel like, oh, okay, I'm unfriendlier. Yes, that's that's there. It certainly happens when you're in the early stages of the use of of this particular drug. But once you start using it on a regular basis, in fact, that essentially disappears. And what you're left with primarily is trying to bring yourself back to normal because the way it works is that it actually inhibits a receptor called the adenosine receptor. What that receptor is for is to tell the body when it's actually running out of energy. And so the body actually is very sensitive to it. When you start using caffeine on a regular basis, the body knows that you've blocked that, that receptor. Mm-hmm. And so it tries to upregulate it, put more on the outside of the cell. And so then you become hypersensitive 
to running out of energy. So you tend to feel bad very quickly. Right. Yeah, keep going. So in the first instance, yes, you do get uh, a little bit of a kick. Mm -hmm. And yes, even habitual users will feel better after they have caffeine. But usually that's only because they've started to feel quite poorly and mm -hmm. they need to get the caffeine back to make them feel essentially at equilibrium. Okay, so this this kind of, what you're talking about here kind of reminds me of something that I was um, reading in a motoring magazine some time ago um, that mentioned, that talked about the caffeine crash um, yep. and how that um, caffeine combined, with well, the caffeine crash combined with caffeine-induced insomnia was actually lethal on the roads and a major contributor to road fatalities in Australia. So are we, what is that caffeine crash and are we safer to, you know, when we're on a long, long road trip to drive without caffeine? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just explain very quickly how caffeine works. As I mentioned before, it actually blocks the adenosine receptor, mm -hmm. which is when we, when we need energy in the body, the body uses what's called adenosine triphosphate. So it actually converts all of that sugar and that sort of stuff that you had for breakfast, makes it into this molecule that it can store and the cell will use this molecule, adenosine triphosphate, just means it's got three phosphates. When you start to need that energy, it'll pull off one phosphate, pull off another phosphate. Once it's pulled off the third phosphate, in other words, there's no energy left in them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then it's just left with adenosine. That leaks out, binds onto the receptor of the cell, and uh, particularly in, in uh, the blood vessels, and tells the body, look, we need more nutrients here, slow things down, makes you feel a little bit tired, gets the blood flowing back in there to hopefully replenish those cells, all right? Yep. So adenosine tells you that you need more uh, you need more nutrients, you need more energy back there, and the body tries to respond. Mm -hmm. When you put caffeine in, caffeine is a molecule that actually blocks that adenosine receptor. So it actually stops the adenosine from binding. So the body thinks, oh, I must have plenty of energy because my, recept my adenosine receptors aren't firing off. So it actually reduces blood flow, and particularly we found in the last couple of years, actually, there's, there's a couple of studies I could cite, but, you know, particularly 2015, one coming out of Zuidau, was saying that uh, it reduces the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. Now, that part of the brain, that's the frontal lobe. So it actually reduces blood flow there. And so your decision-making is not particularly good. And at the same time, you don't have energy. You didn't replace energy. Caffeine, doesn't matter what source you get it from, caffeine does not provide any nutrient value. It's not providing any energy. It's simply blocking the receptor, blocking the signaling that tells the body that it's tired. It's the same as you driving down the highway, putting your hand over the, uh, uh, the, the warning light telling you that you're running out of petrol. And you just put your hand over it and go, no, I'm okay, mm -hmm. and keep the foot down. Eventually, you're going to run out. Now, for these people who either might do long-haul trips or they might be night duty shift workers, whatever they are, if they're taking caffeine and taking it on a regular basis to stay awake, you've got to remember that that caffeine is doing nothing about supplying the tissue with the nutrients it needs to keep it awake. Mm -hmm. You're just blocking the body's response to these very significant uh, tiredness signals and saying, no, no, you're not tired. It doesn't know that it's tired. So it is running out of, it's running on empty and it's running out of those, um, you know, uh, important resources. It's reducing the amount of, uh, of uh, blood flow, getting through to that part of the brain that helps you make good decisions. And it doesn't matter whether you're a shift worker in a hospital or whether or not you're on the road driving, you know, a, a semi-trailer. Either way, you're going to make poorer decisions because you don't have access to the information. You don't have access to the nutrients that keep that brain part of the brain working well. 
That's fascinating. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions or a number of questions that have come in from uh, listeners. And the first one says, um, researchers have discovered that three cups of coffee a day uh, release an enzyme that stops cancer cells forming. Um, caffeine also stops cardiovascular disease and holds off early onset of Alzheimer's. Um, oh, let me, yeah, let me take a couple of those if I can. That's really sure. important. So what we do know is that caffeine doesn't release an enzyme, but what it does do is actually reduce what's called angiogenesis. In other words, the reason that I was telling you that, uh, that caffeine actually reduces blood flow into the front part of the lobes, it also can reduce the ability of a cancer to... In order for a cancer to grow, you can have small tumours, but in order for it to grow and ultimately get something that's uh, dangerous, it needs to get its own blood supply. So there is the possibility that it can actually reduce um, the data sheet and MSDS mm-hmm. and look for caffeine MSDS, material safety data sheet. They will see that caffeine itself is actually listed as a carcinogen. So the early studies actually show that caffeine itself can induce carcinogenic and other Interesting. Can because, induce yeah, I just noticed that in California they're putting a cancer warning on coffee cups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. So, so like I said, there is this, this effect of caffeine on blood supply, which I've just talked about in terms of keeping the brain healthy mm-hmm. and also in relation to potentially fueling some of these, uh, some of these uh, cancer growths. Um, and there's been a couple of studies. Any of the effects are really quite small. So you and Al, in a, in a meta-analysis back in 2015, uh, published that, yes, the highest uh, coffee drinkers had a close to 10% reduced risk of, um, of progressive prostate cancer uh, compared to the lowest uses. But uh, if you took that with breast cancer, they found that if you were having cough, and I could cite two studies there where the actual, the, the researchers themselves, their, their original hypothesis was that it was going to improve creative mm. thinking. Because look at all these creative people who use caffeine. Yeah, and that's incredible. Studies, uh, so yeah, many creatives, you know, they, they cite caffeine as like almost like their elixir of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really interesting. So caffeine keeps you awake, but doesn't actually improve creativity so i mean the first study came out of the university of texas was an honors project and they found that it decreased creative thinking uh and and uh uh, surprisingly to everybody and they just gave them caffeinated gum for that one uh and the other study which actually came out of a group who was a a consumer research group back in 2014 published that caffeinated beverage and they expected the opposite uh, led to lower overall levels of creativity. And so in both cases, they were surprised. And it's when you think about it, and then with the more recent studies showing how it reduces blood flow to that frontal lobe, the frontal lobe is so important for being able to do what we call divergent thinking. In other words, allowing you to access things in a way which is creative. If you shut blood flow down to that, yes, you won't make such good decisions in complex areas. And you won't also be able to access those parts of the brain that help you to be genuine genuinely creative, come up with new ideas. It keeps you awake. Mm. Yeah, it keeps you awake, but doesn't actually allow you to think. Wow. Okay, so another question is asking about, um, you know, poor quality coffee that has toxins and mold compared to, say, upgraded coffee or bulletproof coffee, which is mixed with medium chain triglycerides. Um, Yeah, okay. 
Uh, look, th- th- this is sort of getting into an area outside of probably the cabin itself, and you could take any beverage and say, well, look, if I adulterate it with all sorts of rubbish, is that going to be better than something I don't adulterate with all sorts of rubbish? <laughs> and, of course, you would say, yes, of course, if you're going to drink something, whatever it is, making sure, sure. that it's of a more pure. Um, putting in the medium chain, um, you know, triglycerides, medium chain fatty acids, it doesn't, that's not going to improve. It, it might improve some of the taste. Sure. Um, and the body does like to use things like medium chain fatty acids as opposed to the longer chain ones, which it's harder to uh, metabolize and increases cholesterol and things yep. like that. Um, but I think that sort of gets a little bit off. Yeah, the point yeah, of off the point a bit there. Okay, so coming back to um, somebody wanted, else wanted to know about uh, black tea, green tea, kombucha, chocolate, energy drinks, and you know whatever else contains caffeine. Are yeah. these all things that we should be avoiding? Look, I think it's a question of of the amounts that are in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a look at chocolate, chocolate has probably only about three grams uh, in in relatively comparison to, let's just say, a black tea, which has about uh, 90 milligrams. I should say milligrams, not, not three grams, three milligrams for, for a bar of chocolate. Sure. Um, uh, a, 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 a black tea, normal black tea, will probably have somewhere between about 70 and 90 milligrams. A coffee will have somewhere between probably about... 80 depending a week up to maybe 120 although some of the 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 coffee shots can get up to even close to 200 milligrams um if you look at a green tea a green tea will have somewhere probably between about 10 and 20 milligrams of of caffeine uh, per cup so this you know it's it is a question of of concentration um and there are other things that are in there as well. If you look at the chocolates, yes, I mean, you've got a lot of fat and sugar in there and, and uh, there are lots of benefits to the, to the cacao uh, bean and a lot of uh, uh, polyphenols coming in there, which have got some beneficial effects. The theobromine, which is, works a little bit differently, same receptors or similar receptors, but differently to caffeine. Uh, and so we don't think theobromine is, is of quite the same negative impact as the caffeine itself. Uh, so drinking mm. chocolate, uh, we would tend to be uh, a little bit more relaxed on in terms of its health benefits compared to uh, something with, with the caffeinated uh, uh, beverage. And kombucha is a, uh, a, a trendy drink right now. Is that a caffeinated beverage? You can put kombucha, so you can make kombucha out of, out of a number of different things. So okay. it, you don't have to make it out of any of the uh, the green tea or black tea. You can make it out of other things. It's the it's the culture that goes in there. You can make it on, uh, uh, you know, you can you can put it on uh, um, uh, other sources. You could put you could use uh, real bush tea or red bush tea if you like. Um, so yes, but if you use a, a tea as a base, then you're still going to be getting the yeah. caffeine in there. But the the kombucha doesn't the culture doesn't actually take away that thank you so much for joining us Ross it's been a pleasure having you on the show and we've got uh, a little bit off the subject there I guess but um, really really good information and uh, just fantastic to uh, to hear that Um, we're going to move on right now Please. 
perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am the king of glory and of grace what in himself I cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Savior Fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.